Welcome to For What It's Worth, a new podcast in partnership with OmniTalk and Third House. I'm your co-host, Carlos Castellan, and I'm also the managing director at the Navio Group. I'm regularly on the road working with our clients and have a passion for retail, which led to the creation of this podcast to take the conversations we have with clients and colleagues and turn it into something we can share with you once a month. We have a couple fun segments today, including CEO Chalk Talk, where Jeff Gannett, the CEO of Macy's, writes in to get our opinion on what's ailing the business, as well as a little game called Full Price or Discount, where we decide whether we're buying a statement at face value or discounting its validity. My co-host on today's show is Tupan Bagshi, my colleague and the senior advisor at the Navio Group. Tupan, thanks for coming on the inaugural show today. Let's make the holiday magic happen. <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's get into it. Um, let's just start, you know, and have have a little conversation. I know we've both been out uh, Black Friday. We've been out shopping. Um, there's a variety of different things going on out there. What have been some of the things that have struck you the most? Uh, you know, just going around to different stores and, and and being out there the last couple of weeks. I think one of the things that really struck me or struck us as we were getting out there is just how important it is to have a strong proposition that's compelling for kind of today's guest. Uh, it's not enough to throw discounts at people. The The biggest lines and biggest crowds uh, at the Mall of America were really around Lululemon and Apple, where just the product speaks for itself. And those were the places packed with no discount signs. Um, and I'd sort of add to that, you know, the importance of kind of creating a sense of community. Um, the Lululemon, the new flagship that's opened at Mall of America includes a cafe. It includes space for classes. And I think in physical for physical retail to kind of evolve, I think it's going to be really important to pr- provide people that outlet for community in a world where kind of we're online and disconnected from each other all the time. Yeah, I think I completely agree with you. And I think that evolution is happening right before our eyes. You know, one of the things that really stood out to me and some of the things that we've we've seen, you know, I know there was that article or the report that came out um, about the American Dream Mall, which is launching mm-hmm. in the next couple months. They're going to have 55% of their space dedicated to entertainment. So the mall isn't even a primary retail location anymore. It's actually going to be more for entertainment. Completely, yeah. And, and I think that's what you're seeing in these spaces is people saying, yeah, it's not only the mall that needs to change. It's our spaces and how we think about this. Like it needs to be more of an experience entertainment. I think that's where people, um, at the, especially at the higher end, are doing well. Um, and then obviously, as you get into lo- the sort of maybe lower end or like more value-based retail, it needs to be far more about convenience uh, than anything else. Absolutely. Convenience and value. But on the other end, people still need, exper- you know, just the places to go <laughs> and gather. Yeah. Uh, and, and, a, and, a, and a more experience-led mall can deliver on a lot of that through entertainment, through food, through, through a lot of things that they're dialing up. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we think about, you know, in our work with clients is, one of the hard things to do about this, for example, is to say, what is the impact of us spending this money if it's not directly tied to a transaction that particular day? So I think about, uh, I know you went to, had a chance to visit the new Canada Goose store uh, where, <laughs> you know, you can go into basically what's a, 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 glor- a, freezer, a glorified yeah. <laughs> freezer with a coat on and uh, you get to experience what it's like to have the coat on in really sub-zero conditions in the middle of a you know mall that's whatever set to 72 degrees or, or yeah. you know, whatever the idyllic setting is. But I would imagine for them it's hard to measure that, but you know, it, you know that it has some lasting effect in terms of how you experience the brand. It definitely, I mean, I was a doubter, but uh, you know, is this a gimmick? But you, you know, once you experience it, it actually, one, it helps prove the product because in a warm setting in a mall, like putting a $1,000 parka on, you know, you're hot <laughs> versus you go into the freezer and suddenly you're like, wow, this is incredibly comfortable. This does what it's supposed to do. Um, 
and so th- th- there's that. And anecdotally, in chatting with kind of the staff, um, we started to pick up that people were actually kind of coming because they, the word of mouth around that experience was buzzing and people were coming to check it out. Now, is that going to have staying power uh, a year from now? Who knows? But right now, there is a novelty to having that. I'm sure that they're thinking up what's next. In fact, the, the you know, news has already hit about the, the, the next generation concept of this where you're in a, basically a 360 almost a hologram of, of the Antarctic. And, 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 and um, I, I believe there's even fake snow involved. So um, they're kind of really dialing up the experience angle of this and, and, and kind of creating that Instagram worthy um, moment, uh, so to speak. Absolutely. I think what we talk about with clients too is if you think about that as a way to uh, another, basically part of like a marketing vehicle, um, another way to just create brand awareness. I think it opens up all sorts of possibilities rather than saying, well, if this person's going to, you know, if Tupan's going to go into the f- this freezer today, we need him to buy a coat this very minute when it might not be the right occasion. But you yeah, know. what are the brand impressions? What's the long-term value of that customer relationship? I exactly. Mean, and, and, you know, will they come back a year from now or two years mm-hmm. from now? Because Obviously, if they're buying the coat, and then they, they're probably going to buy gloves and a hat or something else, or they're going to make the recommendation to friends and families. That's all. That's Absolutely. all worth, worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the things you know for me that's been interesting to see out there, uh, and it's not as fun or exciting as as the retail th- theater, uh, but it's to see how big of an impact in store fulfillment has on mm-hmm. businesses this holiday season. Um, there was a, there was a report in the Wall Street Journal talking about Target and that 80% of their uh, you know, online orders were fulfilled through their stores or sourced through their stores, which to me is just a crazy, crazy statistic. But I would imagine there's other retailers out there that have you know, uh, similar numbers. I, I'm thinking about Best Buy. I'm thinking about uh, probably you know, some of the other department stores as well out there. And you know, I, anecdotally, I was going through a mall early in the morning this week uh, when we were out with clients. And there was a truck just being filled before the store had even opened with these orders. They were loading up the UPS truck with shoes um, from, oh, wow. from, from customer orders. And so it's clear that retailers are thinking about that. So I think you have this combination of we can think of the store as you know, retail theater, but also we can also on the back end fulfill orders and get it out to people in a much faster, quicker manner as well as you know, being far more uh, yeah. cost effective. I'm sure. I mean, fulfilling from store... Um, probably gets your economics maybe a little better, a little faster to, to the, to the, to the guest. Um, and probably it has, has a great impact on inventory, just efficiency of, you know, you know, not having, um, inventory stuck in places and, and, and hopefully, uh, being able to access and deliver uh, where you need what it, uh, where you need when it's needed. Um, but I think the real game changer is when you actually get the guest to come to pick up. And so that the economics and Brian Cornell has been out there talking about, I mean, just the significant drop in fulfillment cost of just having somebody drive up or come into store is 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 massive. It's more like store economics, and so we all know the economics of fulfilling online and at shipment cost is such a such a pain point uh, for most retailers as as digital becomes obviously a bigger and bigger and bigger part of the journey. Uh, but yeah, fulfillment from store, and I think the other thing I'd add anecdotally, but having stopped by a Target. Um, on Black Friday, I was I was impressed to see the activity at the pickup bays and the pickup the sort of drive up bays outside and the pickup line inside. And the upshot of that was uh, no no lines at the actual registers um, in the in the center of the store. Now, granted, it was later in the day, but it was it was great to see like how busy and how much people are utilizing those other ways of getting product. And the 
benefit that had on not you know reducing wait time uh, for for the registers. Yeah, I think you know for for us as we think about this and and the work we do with clients or how. Uh, companies think about this. One of the interesting things that stands out to me is thinking about the profitability of a store because all of a sudden you're talking about that you know this becoming a marketing and a brand vehicle. It's also a way to fulfill orders, and none you know this doesn't always happen within the four walls, and it's not happening at a mm-hmm. at a register. And so I think as companies evolve, this is going to be an ongoing topic of conversation within you know the company headquarters to say how do we think about the store? What like how do we measure whether it's successful or not? Um, and ultimately, how do we know if this is doing well, you know, at, at, for us, like across our fleet, because it just the lines are being blurred all over the place. Absolutely. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks, uh, you know, for those observations. We'll obviously keep monitoring this. I think for next month, what will be interesting to see is how, how do these insights translate into results? We should start to see some of these early financials. And so uh, for, oh, yeah. for, for next month, I think that's when we'll kind of get into and, and dig into some of this uh, and see how it ties into uh, the insights we've seen. So. Great. Now let's get into our, our next uh, segment. And this segment is called CEO Chalk Talk, where we have uh, a CEO um, write in and kind of ask for uh, advice. And this is all purely hypothetical and, and fictional, but um, for, the sake of the, for the sake of conversation, uh, Tupan- Thanks for clarifying before we get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, for the sake of clarification um, and for this, let's, let's say that Jeff Gannett, uh, Tupan, the CEO of Macy's picks up the phone one day and calls you and says, Tupan, I need some advice. The spirit of retailers past are starting to visit me during the holiday season, <laughs> and I can't sleep. My best friend Hal just left us, Macy's, a storied retailer, for a job selling tractor supplies. I'm really not sure what to do because our strategy just doesn't seem to be resonating with customers and the market. What should I do? How do I get the Macy's magic back? Yeah. Don't knock this tractor supply company. <laughs> they are <laughs> they are strong. Yeah, um, it's uh, you know it pains me to to ha- sort of having grown up uh, in the Northeast, uh, kind of in the shadow of New York. Um, uh, Macy's for me was always kind of an iconic and even aspirational brand. I mean, I you know my my local hometown mall was the Freehold Raceway Mall. It had four or five anchors. It had sort of Sears, J.C. Penney, Macy's, Nordstrom. Lord and Taylor. And for me, you know, growing up, yeah, Sears was okay. JCPenney was probably more the, you know, we, we would shop discount. And so for me, like growing up, I always considered Macy's kind of an aspirational brand. Um, and it's, it's sort of, I feel lost its per- sense of purpose and identity. And I think in, you know, looking at the circular for Black Friday, one of the things that struck me is it just looked like it might've looked in the nineties. Like it just, even the clothes and the fashion struck me as like really outdated. Um, and that's really surprised me. So, I mean, I think for me, like the, the number one thing, uh, Jeff, that I would start with is kind of like, who are you trying to serve and how? I think really kind of getting d- deep into sort of uh, a guest, sort of understanding your guest or, or the guest of tomorrow um, and, and, and having to make some hard calls on, am I serving yesterday's guest or tomorrow's guest? And how am I going to do that better than anyone else? Uh, because right now it's, not clear and it sort of feels like yesterday's guest um and i think there's a an urgent agenda if you want to be serving tomorrow's guest of everything from you know the digital seamless experience to what the product assortment is the private brand presence the fulfillment options etc to down to where you are and how you are um, as a store and we can get into more of that uh as we as we talk as we go deeper into this yeah you know one of the things uh 
as I think about this and, and you know, what we typically do with our clients is it, I'm always reminded of the Einstein quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but basically, you know, he said something to the effect of if you have an hour to come up with a solution to something, spend 55 minutes on identifying the problem and five minutes on mm. figuring out the solution. And to me, that's that's kind of what you're saying. And, and I, one of the things that I noticed, you know, I was going through some of the numbers. One of the biggest issues that I see with them is their women's apparel business, which should be their bread and butter that, you know, historically, I think, has been their core customer. You know, I looked at some of the numbers and it's lost about 10 percent of the business over the last three years. Wow. Which to me, as a as a company, if you can't right size that core business, it's hard to move forward. So, you know, I think to your point, it's is that customer um, going to be the same customer tomorrow or where do you kind of evolve it and, and make that that break point? And one of the things that I believe is the offerings there, especially from an apparel perspective, aren't differentiated. And I think this is one of the, you know, tying back to what we were talking about earlier, one of the things that you and I both noticed, especially over the last couple of quarters, is Target's apparel business has been doing great. And, you know, I think that they're taking share probably from companies oh, like Macy's. Um, and, and so I think you have Target, which has been a non-traditional competitor to Macy's coming in. They offer a great shopping experience in the store. They're offering products at, at similar price points. Uh, and all of that kind of combines, I think, just you're seeing this kind of cut across. And so I would say that's sort of the the women's apparel business is, is an issue. And then I think you also just have the larger, more broadly economics of this country where, you know, the middle class is shrinking. There's lots of, uh, you know, pieces on that. But as a result, I think Macy's is caught in this position where it needs to figure out if it needs to move towards a higher end or kind of, you know, become more of a value play in order for it to be successful. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I think that's really insightful. Um, and I think I don't know this for sure, but a hypothesis on like the the shrink on or you know not just the challenge from Target, but I have to imagine you know just the, the way people are dressed, like the sort of the blurring of business casual to casual to whatever. I mean, the rise of athleisure, of course. Like these are not things that I sort of when I walk into a traditional department store, it's sort of clear that hey, like that's something that we've we're latching onto. It's kind of the same. So the vendors, same brand, same whatever from from way back when, and sort of organized in the same traditional ways. And I think one of one of the thoughts I have unproven, but you know, could could you flip just kind of burn the sort of old industrial way of like organizing a store down and organize the whole thing more around purpose? Like, what is the occasion? What is the your 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 mission, so to speak? And I mean, kind of back to your point around just theater versus fulfillment versus everything else like how can you um and i think interestingly enough like target is do, i mean doing that you know i think moving towards having more vignettes and sort of displays that sort of evoke something and sort of say okay i understand what the mission is and like where i go and i can get all the things quickly together versus i need to go and hunt and peck and kind of walk around a thing that's sort of artificially organized based on categories versus kind of an, a, a mission um, and interestingly, kind of on a similar theme, one of the things as I was thinking about Macy's and that, that circular and how sort of old fashioned it sort of looked to me. And I, I can't believe I'm digging into a Walmart example. But one of the things that I recall uh, Walmart doing was just, you know, they do very few. They, they I think now do once a month, they'll put out uh, uh, a circular. But they also shifted to that vignette model where, you know, when it's time for summer barbecue, you open it up and there's summer barbecue and you know that everything from that tablecloth to the food to the shorts on the guy to the grill is all available there and all sort of priced out. So if I have a mission of I'm going to have a backyard barbecue, 
bang, 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 I can go and get it and it's clear to me versus, you know, I'm flipping through and I've got the jewelry page and then I'm flipping through and then I've got a perfume page and then I'm flipping through and I've got, hand, you know, is it's a little, um, it seems like a really, it's, it's harder to inspire, I think, around that emotional event. Whereas like when I see that barbecue scene, I have an emotional reaction to it. Like I'm like, that looks like fun. Like I want to do that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I also hear you saying, and, and, and I believe on this, I think the job of someone like Macy's is to curate products mm -hmm. for people and to really kind of build that story and, and kind of be help customers cut down on the amount of time that they need to find searching for clothing. And one, I, I don't get that experience when walking into a store. It feels very self-driven. It feels very, uh, very much up to you to be able to put all of this together and come up with a vision, which as we know, people are less patient than they used to be. Uh, there's a tons of ways you can do this in a, in, a, in a manner. And I think the strategy that I've seen as well has been, uh, I believe they're opening up, they've opened up a marketplace with more vendors online. And I think that's sort of the antithesis of this. That is, um, we're going to build product and clothing that anyone can find. And, and I guess my belief would be it actually needs to go the other way. It needs to be more curated, more focused. And, and that is ultimately how you win back these customers. Because there's so many other options for people these days. And, and so to provide those options um, rather than saying, here's what we're going to stand for uh, is difficult. I know it's hard to say, here's what we're going to stand for and then have conviction that it's going to work. But ultimately, I think you have to do that in a world where there's a myriad of options and you can shop from your couch and, and find these on Amazon, uh, yeah. Kohl's, Target, you know, Nordstrom, a bunch of other places. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the your, you raised a great point earlier on about like which direction do they flex because they are kind of in that dangerous middling kind of ground. Um, and I think they to, to build on your point about curation, I think they have to provide, you know, they may not replicate Saks or Neiman, but they need to kind of move, I think, towards, you know, they if they have that kind of flagship presence in Manhattan, they should own it and live up to it. Um, and I think, you know, kind of connecting that with the vignettes, et cetera, like there may be other ways to use technology to provide a little more of a concierge service without necessarily having concierge you know shoppers just to walk with you always i mean you can provide that in select markets but how could you use maybe your digital assistant or what have you to like or touch screens or other other mechanisms to then provide that ease that curation the suggested sell uh etc uh, or and i should say not or but and leverage your in-store folks and make them more flexible and versatile so that they're not rigidly like I'm the shoe person or I'm the perfume counter. It's no, like, what are you trying to get done today? What's the event that you're shopping for? Yep. <laughs> are you trying to show up for a new job, an interview, a uh, formal, like, um, and how do I make that as easy for you as possible? Yeah. And they, I mean, you'd imagine they have all sorts of data that would allow them also to, you know, be able to inform customers and say, based on mm -hmm. our shopping patterns, other people, like, here's how this might look together. But yeah, it's certainly, you know, it's one of the more interesting plays, I think, because we all have some sort of connection to, to Macy's. Um, you know, for us here in Minneapolis, it used to be Dayton's and they took over the space um, and, and bought them. But I think, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to monitor certainly here over the next couple you know, quarters and, and year to see how that strategy turns out. It was funny as in doing a little research uh, and to kind of wrap this up. I believe Jeff Gannett was the retail dive uh, CEO of the year for 2018. <laughs> so it's it's interesting how quickly um, that, that changes within a year. So it'll be interesting to monitor. Um, all right. So let's get into our, our final segment here called full price or discount, 
where I will uh, give provide a statement and you'll have to tell me whether you're buying it at full price or you're discounting it. Um, <laughs> so let's let's go. Uh, so first one, Tupan, full price or discount? Dollar stores are here to stay. Oh, full price. I mean, I think uh, I don't, in the interest of time, I'll keep it brief. But I mean, these these just relentlessly keep exploding, and I think are to everyone's detriment. They just keep getting ignored and overlooked. I would say whether you're Walmart uh, uh, and others, I mean, it just cons- consistently have ignored them. You know, basically ring fencing their super centers uh, and providing, and and I think you know taking some of the high ground on value. Absolutely. I think I'm I'm full price as well. Uh, you saw, I, I believe yesterday there was a report that came out um, that Dollar General was going to build a thousand stores. Yeah, I don't know what the time period was in the next year or two or something like that. I think it was across all three banners. Sure. But okay. In, in, in prior years, it was like DG alone was opening a thousand. But I think if I'm rem- remembering that article, it was, I think, for the three. Yeah. But still pretty aggressive. Very aggressive. And I, I think one of the things that it, to me... Uh, again, kind of thinking about either the, the spectrum of either convenience or experience, they do a great job on, on convenience and having these locations and making it easy to go in and, and pick up value-oriented products and, and walk out of the store. Um, Amazon Go sprouting up in, in all sorts of places. So you can imagine, let's say dollar stores figure out how to do uh, cashierless technology or some of these other pieces. It, it seems like the sky's the limit. They could start coming into uh, taking business from other, from other players where, yeah. uh, you know, that it they typically have been accessible. They already operate their boxes on a pretty slim, kind of, you know, usually one person there. So um, I think they do, if they're not already investing in technology for from a loss prevention point of view, they've probably got a lot of the cameras, et cetera, in place because it's usually one person there. Um, the other thing that I would uh, just add before so we, we move on, um, you know, I think what's so important about the DG story is just that, again, laser focus on segmentation and understanding your guests and what value means. Because I think we kind of always move to the average and what value kind of looks like. And that's what it, that leads you to the super center or Costco and what have you. And, you know, having spent some time in Arkansas, et cetera, like it becomes very clear that for certain folks on that, you know, the gas money for the distance to drive to the super center is a factor. The, um, weekly paycheck, the cash in pocket to buy two of an item versus getting a 12 pack is a big difference. And so, you know, how to just, again, like really understand the get, like the, the, the different needs out there um, and, and bifurcate or differentiate how you're going to serve uh, and, and do it better than anyone else. I think DG is just an amazing example of. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think if I had to label most underlooked uh, or overlooked story, I should say, uh, for 2019, I, I think to me it's the dollar stores and the, and they continue to do really well. Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting to monitor, certainly. Um, all right. So second one, Tupan, full price or discount? Gap will have a good holiday season. Uh, discount. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. It's another one of those that pains me from like the sort of, you know, brands that, you know, were we grew up with were you know semi you know almost aspirational but achievable and you know kind of um and i think similar to macy's i I have this just hypothesis that you kind of you need to kind of go back to your roots in a way like i think gap success going back to the 1969 whatever was they weren't even selling their own denim right they sold levi's like how could gap become an authority on denim like that's that's and some of that is just sort of on releasing the the agenda of we have to sell our own branded stuff. Um, how, you know, just the explosion, like, you know, almost of the, the, the exact challenge of Macy's of, you know, people are moving more and more casual is Gap's opportunity to say, okay, like everyone's wearing denim at work. First of all, there needs to be a bonfire of the khakis. Like, <laughs> so khaki is done. 
but denim is is here to stay forever. And so, you know, with all of the the, the innovation uh, and an explosion of different denim brands, like how do they sort of say, okay, we want to be that again? You know, could we be what we were, which was the authority on denim, um, and curate to your point, up and coming brands? You know the best of the best of, of some of the others if they if those are willing at this point to go back into a gap store but there's there's something about kind of re, re you know i i'm not one for like revisiting this like ancient history but like um you know i i think there's something there especially with the moment that everyone is kind of going more and more casual yeah absolutely i think one of the i'm i'm with you on discount although i'm not as, as bearish on them long term because i think there is still opportunity mm-hmm. there I think about you know the old Navy spinoff. I think will raise some good capital that that would allow them to do some different things. You know, potentially remodel stores. Um, think about their real estate portfolio in yeah. a different way. I don't know that their real estate portfolio is is like as bad as I would say for uh, or like as big of an issue for a company like J.C. Penney, for example. However, one of the things that I always I, I always think about when it comes to Gap is the Gap. Um, the Gap Kids stuff is really good, yeah. um, and, and that you know potentially also thinking about you know to your point maybe you play up the kids piece a little bit bigger. You had Babies RS, uh, you know, kind of go under, but maybe there's like a way to to play into that. Um, and obviously you're going up then head to head with someone like Target on some of that stuff. But I, I yeah, think their kids no, stuff is is really good, and and that seems like a big opportunity there. And then I think on the Banana Republic side, years of discounting I believe has you know trained shoppers to expect that discount. But in a lot of ways, I think the product has gotten pretty good or it's gotten to a much better point. So I'll be curious to see yeah. if they can continue to build on that, at least on, on the on the Banana Republic side. But I, I see some opportunities there depending on what, what it looks like over the long run. Yeah, here's hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, last one, full price or discount, Victoria's Secret will be able to evolve its offering for customers. I am pretty discount on this. I feel, you know, They've they're so entrenched in a way. I mean, I know, and 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 others have kind of taken the high ground on um, inclusivity and on um, just you know natural looks versus kind of the unattainable look. Um, that I I don't know how you can go with the the existing brand. I think they you know with pink and with other brands they could probably do a little bit of what Airy and others have done, but it's it's I have a hard time sort of imagining how Victoria can kind of become the not the anti Victoria. Yeah, I think, you know, you have all of the stuff that's been happening at sort of the L brands level. I don't know how much that trickles down to to customers and, and how they perceive the brand. But I believe this is the first year that they're not having the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Um, so, you know, you have all these changes that are sort of occurring. I, I also think about, you know, kind of going past the stores in, in the mall. I never get the sense, like at least these days, like it feels sort of out of place. It's very glitzy, glamorous. It doesn't feel like an easy, relaxed way to shop. And I think that's ultimately, you know, when I connect it to some of the pieces around inclusivity that you're talking about, some of the other brands do, they 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 create that experience where it feels really convenient to shop and easy to do, whereas it feels just so different at the Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret stores today that I would imagine beyond just the branding, they'd have to change um, and obviously it's connected to branding, but what that shopping experience looks like in order for them to do, you know, continue to 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 grow or be able to fix their offerings. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it, there's probably something that's a little intimidating and, and, and uncomfortable about it. So, and to your point, it doesn't kind of fit in with with the the, the aesthetic of of more natural, more more inclusive kind of vibe that you get at uh, at the other the places that are growing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm with you on the on the discount side. 
Awesome. Well, I think that does it for today. Um, appreciate uh, you being on this inaugural segment with us and looking forward to, to many more. Um, we've covered a lot of ground today, so we should have plenty to go into as we, as we get into the next year. Um, and who knows what will come up between now and next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you.